BP Studio. You're listening to the 88th episode of Hipster Baseball Podcast. HBP, I'm Dorian, and on today's podcast, we wonder if the Myrtle Beach Pelicans would beat the Chicago Cubs, get matching tattoos with Aroldis Chapman and the New York Yankees, and special guest Adam Doc Herbert joins us to talk about the Atlanta Braves. And we're kicking off the episode, this is a bit of a surprise to you, by having a delicious beer from a good American local brewery. I'm drinking something called Backwater Brown, which is a brown ale. It's like dark and heavy. It's from a place called Tidal Creek Brew House in Myrtle Beach, South Carolina. And I'm going to have a drink. Speaking of strong, the Myrtle Beach Pelicans are located, obviously, in Myrtle Beach, South Carolina. The Pelicans are the single A team, one of the minor league teams of the Chicago Cubs. And according to to the overlords over at MLB.com, the top five Chicago Cubs prospects are all in A ball, either low A or high A, which means they are years away from helping, potentially helping the Chicago Cubs. And it's, it's a bit of a risk to be depending on young 20, 22, 20, 21-year-old men to eventually make it through AA, AAA, and then actually excel or just play very well at the major league level. And to add to that volatility, two of those top five prospects that the Cubs have are pitchers, which are even more volatile. Kind of like the Boston Red Sox that we talked about about a month or so ago, I find it incomprehensible that the Chicago Cubs are in this position. They're not a good team this year. They have no one that they can count on in the double-A or triple-A of their affiliates because the Chicago Cubs, like the Boston Red Sox, are one of the richest teams in Major League Baseball. They're one of the most famous teams in Major League Baseball. But all that comes from ownership, straight from the top, from the Ricketts. They know what they want to do, but I don't think it's for the good of the team or the, or the Chicago Cubs fans. We'll see what they do in the offseason. I predict they're not going to do much of anything in the offseason, but whatever, the, the Ricketts may surprise us. And one of the top youngsters that the Cubs have is a Dominican youngster called Kevin Alcan- Alcantara. Alcantara. He is six foot six. That's like a what power forward? Not even a stretch. A stretch forward in basketball? I forget. Whatever. He's six foot six, which is really tall. But he weighs a hundred and eighty-eight pounds. This guy's like reed thin. And Alcantara is an outfielder with the Myrtle Beach Pelicans. He's a 91st ranked prospect in all of Major League, um, all of the minor leagues, excuse me. And he actually, the New York Yankees actually signed him back in 2018. But the Yankees packaged him for a trade for their now first baseman, Anthony Rizzo. So Rizzo left the Cubs. He got traded to the Yankees. And part of that package going from the Yankees to the Cubs was Kevin Alcantara. So now Alcantara and the rest of those that really good team that they have in down in single A for the in, for the Myrtle Beach Pelicans. The Pelicans are actually going to the playoffs that start on the fifteenth of September. The Cubs, the Cubs aren't going anywhere. <laughs> they're not going anywhere right now. They're in third place in the National League Central Division, 20, 20, 20 games behind their rivals, the St. Louis Cardinals, and the Cubs probably won't win even 70 games this year but when I took a look at their schedule I'm like they they're going to get 70 wins by the skin of their teeth because they have an incredibly weak schedule I think they're playing the Cincinnati Reds the Colorado Rockies 
the Miami Marlins, the Pittsburgh Pirates, and they finish up the year playing the Cincinnati Reds six times. They're playing garbage teams, and you're a garbage team as well. So it's it's like a coin flip. So you actually could end up winning 70 games, which is shameful for an organization like the Chicago Cubs. Shame on you, Ricketts. This exceedingly average Cubs team, which is just they're average at in the amount of home runs they've they've hit as a team. They're average on their on base percentage. Their pitching is no good. They've given up the third most home runs in the major leagues, 174. Their whip, how many base runners are on every single inning, is 1.34, which is 24th in all the major leagues. And to add insult to injury, something almost unthinkable is going to happen. The Chicago Cubs catcher Wilson Contreras. He's one of I think the la- He's one of two or three players remaining from the 2016 World Series winning team. He's the only one, well, he's one of three there, like I said. The Cubs didn't trade him like they should have and gotten something in return. He's a free agent. He's going to walk away. He's smart enough not to stay with the Cubs because the Cubs are going nowhere. And there's rumors that he's going to sign with the St. Louis Cardinals. Contreras has been there for a long time. He's one of the stalwarts of that organization the only people who've been with the cubs longer are probably like the the beer vendors that are selling you crappy domestic beers for 27 dollars. <laughs> when Contreras actually signs with the cardinals which i hope he does just to stab it in the hearts of the of the the rickets of it like what are you clowns doing it's gonna be a knife to the heart and i hope the rickets start spending because the cubs should not be in this position and the reason i asked the question at the beginning of the show is would the pelicans beat the chicago cubs because it reminds me, for those of you who are college football fans, and especially now that college football just started, back in 2002, way back 20 years ago, there used to be an ESPN commercial, and I've actually tried to find it on YouTube, and I cannot find it. And back then, the Miami Hurricanes were the absolute monsters of college football. They were like Alabama, but actually even better than Alabama. The Cincinnati Bengals were the absolute worst team in the National Football League. And so there was this little kid. I don't want to say little. He's probably a 12-year-old kid. And at the end of the commercial, he said, the Miami Hurricanes would beat the Cincinnati Bengals. And people were like, they would write articles. Is like, is it feasible that the Miami Hurricanes, the best college football team in the nation, could beat a professional team? No one actually took it. I mean, people who are actually in NFL, there's like, there's no way a college football team could beat NFL team. But again, this is just me making fun of the Chicago Cubs of would their Myrtle Beach Pelicans who are going to the playoffs and have all these tremendous young talent would beat the parent club? Probably not because minor league minor league A ball is basically the equivalent of a good, not a really good, but actually a good college baseball team. If you're an 18-year-old senior in high school and you're being recruited by Vanderbilt, Cal State Fullerton, the University of Miami, the University of Florida, you're also probably on the radar of major league scouts. Why would you go to school when you could probably get paid half a million dollars or even millions of dollars as a signing bonus? I'm sure one of the best Vanderbilt teams, their baseball, their college baseball program, could play. I'm not saying they could be, but I'm sure they could give one heck of a run to uh, a Myrtle Beach Pelicans, a single A team. And when I found out, and when I found out that the Pelicans are actually going to the playoffs, I was like, you know what? I actually I want to go see the Pelicans. I want to see these players that are on this this team before they they graduate up to Double A. But I'm like, you know what? I've been to a handful of a single A baseball games in Florida, and man, that's just some bad baseball. <laughs> like I said, don't take this as gospel. I think it is the equivalent of a good college baseball team. It's just 
what the problem at the at the A level for the minor leagues is the pitchers have absolutely no control. They they are all over the strike zone if they can they can even locate it. It's, so it's not pleasurable to watch. It, the games do go by quicker, but I enjoy it. I I've, I'm starting to like when I'm unable to go to a major league baseball game. I, I actually started. I'm starting to enjoy going to double A games. I still have yet to go to a triple A game, which I really want to go to. But anyways, while you decide what you're gonna do for Labor Day weekend, I'm gonna have another drink of this delicious brown brown what is this brown beer brown ale, and when you're on your Labor Day weekend holiday, you're going to relax and you can also go on social media while wearing your sunscreen and check us out because our Twitter handle is at HBP4040 and our Instagram account is Hipster Baseball Podcast. Speaking of Instagram, the Yankees relief pitcher, Aroldis Chapman, who goes by the Instagram name The Cuban Missile, he hasn't posted anything on his Instagram since April. Shockingly, he has not shown a picture of the infected leg that was caused by a tattoo last week. Why is it that on social media, people only want to show off cool things? You don't want to show off, oh, I went to go get a tattoo on my leg and it's infected. And now I'm on the injured list and I can't pitch for the New York Yankees. <laughs> this reminded me of my favorite physician. No, no one ever asks you, who's your favorite physician? People will ask you, what's your favorite car? What's your favorite color? What's your preference in a partner? What's your favorite country to go vacation in? America, you communist. My favorite physician is Dr. Gregory House from the awesome television show House. There was a show back from House back in season six, episode 21, where a lady went to the hospital with a mysterious illness. Stop me if you heard this one before, because every time someone goes to Dr. House with a mysterious illness, she was very athletic. She was a runner. She did. She was just very healthy. Doctor House, when they were moving her body, or she wasn't dead. She, 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 spoiler alert, she didn't die. When they were moving her on the trolley, or not the trolley, whatever they call it, the hospital, she went through a UV light, and then Doctor House saw remnants of a tattoo. I think it was on her leg or her arm, and that that is how he was able to diagnose the fact that she was suffering from an allergic reaction to the tattoo ink. I think that the New York Yankees need to hire Dr. Gregory House as the team doctor. <laughs> because Chapman started feeling an irritation in his leg last Thursday, which is just last week, after getting the tattoo earlier in the week. And again, on social media, you only show really cool things. Like, why wouldn't a role this Chapman give a shout out to the ink, air quotes, artist who infected him? <laughs> That's so gross. That is so gross. Every, all the other athletes are always giving a shout out to Barber who gives them a fresh haircut or the jeweler who gives them amazing, beautiful custom jewelry or the tattoo artist or whatever. But Aroldis Chapman is like, no, I'm not going to tell you who gave me, I don't know, hepatitis C or whatever. <laughs> Please, no, I'm, it's a joke. I don't, the HBP general counsel tells me that uh, we can't be sued right now because uh, of my jokes. It's a joke, people. I'm not saying Aroldis Chapman has anything, but we do know he has an infection. And when I'm thinking about all these jewelers to the stars, barbers to the stars, ink artists to the stars, I think of uh, Gabe Eric, who's uh, who's famous in the baseball world because he's the owner of Happy Jewelers. I think he, Happy Jewelers, Happy Jewelries, whatever. Him and his brother own a place in Orange County, California. Jock Peterson got his beautiful pearl necklace from last year. We went over that obviously last year. It's everyone knows. It's like why in the world was Jock is Jock Peterson wearing pearls? which is, you know, what your mom or grandma wears. 
but he got it from Gabe Eric and Jock and Jock Peterson gave a shout out to Gabe Eric and his brother for providing the custom made pearls to him last year. Anyways, we're not talking about Jock Peterson. We're talking about Aroldis Chapman because of that issue, because he hasn't been pitching well at all this year and the leg infection because of the tat the tattoo. The last time he's actually pitched was on the 19th of August against Toronto. And Chapman is in his the last year of a three-year, $48 million contract that he signed with the New York Yankees. Let's go on a limb and say Chapman is not returning to the Bronx next year. And the Yankees need all the help they can get. And the fact that Chapman, who still has an he's very talented. He doesn't have a good year, but he's still incredibly talented. They need him. And he goes off and gets a tattoo, gets it infected. That wasn't the plan, obviously. He didn't deliberately go and say, hey, get me infected. But the Yankees are struggling. Shockingly, I know this isn't breaking news. They lost the series to the LA Angels last week. Not last week, earlier this week. They went out to Anaheim, to Orange County, and they lost two of three games to the LA Angels. The Los Angeles Angels of Anaheim, however their atrocious name is. Let me say that again. The New York Yankees, who have led the American American League East Division since like April 1st, lost to the terrible LA Angels. That's lost a series, excuse me. You can lose a game, but the series is ridiculous. And then the next two weeks, the Yankees are playing the Tampa Bay Rays twice and sandwiched in the middle of those two series with the Rays, they're playing the Minnesota Twins. Both of those teams are playoff caliber teams. And right now, the New York Yankees, their American League East Division lead has shrunk to six games. Six games at the beginning of September, you're looking over your shoulder a little bit. You're not panicking, no. But you're looking over your shoulder, especially with the season that the Yankees were having up until around June or July. This is crazy that you're struggling this much. It, this isn't a, a oh, we're, we've had a bad two or three weeks. They've had, they've had a bad two months. But I think you're going to have a better end to the summer than the New York Yankees because our show sponsor has you covered. The Limited. The Great American Summer Sale is here. This week, every polo and swimsuits and all swimsuits are 20 to 40% off. Beach towels and sunglasses are all on sale. Only at the Limited. Come by on Labor Day weekend. Celebrate the great American summer. You know what it makes me think? Do other countries around the world also say it's like, come celebrate the great Nigerian summer. Come celebrate the great Sri Lankan summer. <laughs> I'm telling you, there's really not a lot to celebrate in Sri This is not a geopolitical podcast, but there is not much to celebrate in Sri Lanka right now because they have an economic crisis now for almost a whole year. The prime minister, the president had to had to flee the country. There's 64% inflation in Sri Lanka. It, things are bad and prayers and thoughts out to the people of Sri Lanka because it's, it's, it's awful what's going on in that small island south of, south of India. But back to baseball. With hindsight, we could just we could we could say Chapman, you should have just stuck with jewelry. Forget the forget the tattoos, because jewelry normally doesn't give you infections. A nice pearl necklace like Jock Peterson wore when the Atlanta Braves made it to the World Series and won the World Series, and none of these problems would have happened. And my next guest knows all about Jock Peterson and the Atlanta Braves. Today on HBP, we have a an extra special guest, Adam Doc Herbert, who's a former writer podcaster, all-around good guy, and the ultimate renaissance man in the in the Atlanta Braves country, Doc Herbert. Welcome to HBP. Hey, buddy. How's it going? 
good, sir. And I do want to remind everyone that we had your former co-host from the Platinum Sombrero podcast, Dylan Short, back on episode 71. And this is this is a special treat for me. I always liked having guests here, but especially you and Dylan, because the Platinum Sombrero for me was one of my inspirations. I we listened to it for years. Every week you guys were having amazing and still probably have an amazing chemistry. And so definitely the TP, TPS for me is a, an inspiration to starting this podcast. So I started off with the friends, but then, you know, he's like, you know, podcasting is not my thing, but we're still friends. But I was like, I really enjoy this. So how, how did you guys meet up and what then prompted you guys to then say, you know what, let's talk, let's record our voices and share it to the world. Well, first things first, thanks, thanks for having me. And thank you for the kind words too. Like, uh, it's just, it's really cool to think that anything that we did was impactful in any way. You know what I mean? Cause it's the vibe we wanted was just two dudes talking about baseball. And there, there is a lot of that, you know what I mean? But we, we stuck with it through Dylan was old hat at doing radio stuff. He'd had his own show a couple of times and I was just some, just some guy he started interacting with on Twitter. I think the first time we ever talked, I said something along the lines of, of all the Braves we lost during the rebuild, the one I missed the most was Cameron Maven. I something about him. I just loved him. And Dylan came in my mentions and was like, How could you say that about, you know, not Hamilton Simmons and not everybody? And, you know, and it wound up turning into one of those very rare, like Canadian Twitter moments where it's like everybody's just being super polite. And it's like, Well, I guess I could see, you know, where you're coming from. Hey, good talk guy at the end of it or whatever. And uh, so he had shell shocked at the time. And uh, I went on that. We were going to do like a 15 minute segment and it wound up going like an hour. And then a month later, the same thing happened. And so this was during the 2017 season. And right before 2018 started, he came to me and said, I want to do, because shell shocked was a little bit more like some baseball, some college football, a little, little bit of everything. And he said, I want to do a specific baseball show. And I really like the chemistry we have. I think we could make something good. And I'd never even considered podcasting before. Like I'd gone on Nakahoma Nation a couple of times. I was friends with Josh and Ken. And I was like, I don't know. I don't think I'm interesting enough to do this. You know, Josh was my template for a successful podcaster, which do with that what you will. <laughs> so um, eventually I just was like, all right, sure. I, I was in need of some something to pursue, you know, and I'm so glad I did because it wound up being just like every Wednesday or Thursday night for four years. It was, I was sitting right here and uh, set up just like this. And this past Saturday, uh, Dylan had a show on 680 and uh, it was the last one of the season before they substitute that time slot for college football. And he brought me down to the station. And so we got to do like, in person on the actual radio, like that was kind of one of those feather in the cap type moments. I also do want to mention to me, those of you not in enveloped in the Braves country podcast world, obviously not Oklahoma nation. They stopped recording. I think about a year or two ago, and I enjoyed listening to them as well. But one of the things that separated the Braves podcasters in your case, platinum sombrero were these hilarious sponsors that you came up with. Like they weren't real sponsors. Uh, some, some of my favorite ones were, um, the heavy metal crayons. I love uh, <laughs> another another week. You guys had a sponsor, uh, Rage. It was a Broadway play. It was a hit Broadway yep. play. Rage against the vending machine. You know, a kick kick cat kick in the name of. It was you had so many of these these sponsors. How in the world do you decide? You know what? Let's fill up thirty seconds a minute of this of the podcast with. And by the way, you would like make music. You would do voiceover. That's what I'm saying that Doc Herbert is the renaissance man of Atlanta Braves podcasters. So with that, like some of the, the original ones, 
were like my friends Matt and Andrew and I in 2006 we the three of us we were like 24 living together it was like you look back on like the golden age right it was like me and my two best friends we would just come up with stuff like that back then like it was like a punchline without a joke basically like somebody would say hey britches and hoes and we would all laugh and then go about go about our day Andrew and I have been making music together for forever. So we would have songs like the department of sequel control was a song and bridges and hose became a song and all, and all those different things. So when we got the show, it was like, it was just a stupid idea that I was like, Hey, I thought about like Edgar Allan potpourri. That sounds like a fake product. And Dylan and I got to talking about it and he's like, make an ad for it, you know, like write the rest of the joke because the punchline is only 10%. Like it, the joke only, the punchline only works if the setup is great. So so I started digging through all the old archives and the heavy metal crayons one actually was, do you remember that series in April, 2018 when the Braves were at Wrigley and the weather was horrible. Where, where it was like, we, Ronald, Ronald Cooter Jr. Almost messed up his knee. I think he was like, well, that, this was the one where Sam Freeman came in and gave up like seven runs in the eighth inning. Cause the infielders couldn't oh, feel their hands. Yes. 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 Everyone, oh yeah. I, I do remember. It, yes. So that same day, uh, my mother-in-law was in town and we went out to dinner and I don't know how we got there. We were doing some weird word association or whatever. And she was the one who said the phrase heavy metal crayons. And I don't know what the context was anymore. And I tried to be really respectful and not like my wife and I are on a date. I don't take my phone out or anything like that. And she just immediately, my wife, she looks over at me and she's like, do you need to write that down? And I'm like, oh my God, thank you. And I just take my phone out and the the ad, it was like, Robert Plant writing the lyrics for Stairway to Heaven, where it was like the universe is just speaking through my hand. I'm like, ah, and the next thing I know, I'm like, ooh, 666 shades of black and all that. And and like the the britches and hoes one, I thought that was the one I was most proud of. I thought that was, you're not supposed to laugh at your own jokes, man, but I thought that was hysterical. And it was. It, uh, thank you. And, and at, at first it was just something to differentiate. Like the goal that we... We never like said this to each other, but I think that we were trying to kind of find like common ground between like Talking Chop, now Battery Power, and Nakahoma Nation. Because where it was like Talking Chop was like super analytical and really intelligent and really informed, but a little dry. You know what I mean? It was not nearly as much personality. They have gotten better about that as the team has gotten better. And with Nakahoma, it was the flip side where it was like, we are going to be so silly that we're going to be able to obscure how much we know. Because they actually knew a lot. And we're like, okay. What if we kind of hit the mark in the middle somewhere, right? And so that was meant to be a little more on the silly side. And when I sent the first one to Dylan, he was like, you know what's going to happen is somebody's going to think this is real. When somebody comes looking to sponsor us for real, they're going to hear this and be like, oh, you can just seamlessly blend it right in. And lo and behold, four months later, Andrew Stevens reached out was like, we want you on our network. And we're like, I can't believe that worked. That's brilliant. That's that's where that creativity comes from. And are you are you a, a musician by trade, or is that is this something you do on the side of? It's my family legacy. Everyone, okay. uh, every aunt, uncle, cousin, everybody, everybody plays something. I tried to make it as a as a musician for a couple of years, and there's just a lot of bands. We played a lot of shows. We made a lot of music, and I just tend to create a lot. Whether it's creating fake ads or podcasts or writing or writing music or whatever. So, and Robert Plant is your uncle. So that also yeah, helps. Yeah. So that, those that, genes that yeah, pumping through you are, are is very helpful. Yeah. <laughs> you see the resemblance? Yeah, absolutely. Where did, 
where did this Braves fandom come from? Like for me, it's I'm a TBS generation person. I don't live in Atlanta. I've never lived in Atlanta, but that's that's me. Where's how did how did you so even going further back? How did your association with the Atlanta Braves come about? So I came up a Cubs fan a little bit, but similar to like the TBS generation, I was the WGN generation. Like you come home after school and there's a Cubs game on at two twenty in the afternoon. So Harry Carey was like the guy for me, and uh, and my grandfather used that as a mechanism to teach me about baseball. We were living in up in um, so close to in North Carolina, but so close to Virginia, it might as well have been Virginia. And when we moved over to Europe and we came back and uh, instead of going back home to Eden, we went to, uh, we came to Snellville in Georgia. And this was Halloween of 1992. So this is right after the Blue Jays World Series. And geographically it worked that uh, the, the Braves were, you know, we're suddenly in a city where the team was really good. Like if we had stayed in North Carolina, I probably would have wound up either as like an Orioles fan or a Nationals fan or something just based on blackouts and proximity. So got really lucky being able to plug, get plugged into a team that was already really good and kind of taking what I knew already. And just, we won 12 straight division titles after I, after I moved here. So it was a pretty, a pretty easy connection. Thanks. Thanks to you. And fast forwarding to today where the Atlanta Braves are now, they're the defending world series champions and they're three games behind the New York Mets. It's a beautiful thing to say. Like I said, they're defending champions. And it's a little frustrating that, the Braves have come from so far back and especially they it's ever since June, they've been one of the hottest teams in baseball. We still aren't able to overtake the Mets just yet. But the question I keep coming back is, and especially some frustrating losses these past few weeks is where in the world would the Braves season be without the youngsters, without William Contreras, without uh, Spencer Strider, without Michael Harris, II, second, et cetera, et cetera. I mean, you can look at it from two ways because you've got obviously you've got like the statistical impact and you know Harris is hitting out of his mind. Strider is a lot of people are saying that Harris is the clear rookie of the year winner. For me, it's Strider because he's putting up the same value uh, playing a fifth of the time that Harris is. And Grissom, as soon as he came up, he just was was just such an injection of of youth. And for a guy, a bunch of guys that look tired, they really needed somebody like Von Grissom to step in and just give them a lot of the energy. So you take them out. Statistically, I mean, I think I don't think it would be too outlandish to assume that they would probably be fighting for that third wild card spot. You know what I mean? They they might be barely keeping neck and neck with Philadelphia because who was out there? You know, you had Duval who was playing center and he's gone now. And you had, you know, it's like even if it was strictly based on the fact that they had injuries that they were dealing with or, or ineffectiveness in the fifth spot, when you start compare like what they're doing versus who was there in the first place it's like man we're lucky to be over 500 in in some spots and everybody talks about Harris coming straight up from double a and in half the time that Acuna was there no time in triple a Grissom had half the time in double a that Harris did nobody ever talks about the fact you know how many innings Spencer Strider pitched in triple a I think it's like 90 or 100 one one he pitched one inning in triple a yeah it was like at the because he started in low a and wound up you know, it was like right at the end of the year and he got a little bit of time on the big league roster before uh, before the series was out. I think it was the uh, against the Mets to end the, the season last year. So he's another one that because he got the one inning, nobody nobody talks about it. But yeah, I mean, th- these guys are when you're looking at the future, Grissom is still team control. Strider's team control. Harris is locked in a team friendly deal for the next decade, basically like, man, get used to this. 
speaking of Central Strider, people don't know he's a he's very he's a very young pitcher and he has his mustache that he's had since what well, I think he said that he, he grew it as a joke coming out of high school or or something mm-hmm. like that. And I think I don't have the numbers in front of me, but his career high inning, I think it was like 80 or 90 innings total. And now he's well over that. And I'm going to say a bad word on this podcast. This reminds me of the Steven Strasburg. In, uh, back in when he was a rookie with the, and that's the bad word, Steven Strasburg, because he, we're, not, <laughs> yeah. we're not fans of Steven. He's, he's a f- fantastic, well, he was when he's not injured 90% of the time with the Washington Nationals. If you remember when he was a rookie, I want to say this was obviously in the middle of their title run with Bryce Harper and all those. You look at that side note, you look at some of those Nationals rosters now and you're like, how in the world did they only win one championship? I mean, that, they were stacked in the mid-2010s. But nevertheless, when Strasburg was a rookie, if you remember, they said that he's he's they're going to shut him down after, let's just say, 180 innings. And he wasn't there to help them in the playoffs. And I'm not a Nationals fan when I saw but I'm a baseball fan. When I saw that, I was like, what are the Nationals thinking? Why don't they just shut shut him down now and restart him in two or three weeks for the playoffs? Like, why are you burning him now? And that's how, how, how I kind of feel when Strider comes out every five every five days. He pitches six phenomenal innings, strikes out 10 guys, but I'm like, this can't last. He's he's not built like Justin Verlander or Max Scherzer yet in the sense of the, the, the endurance. You hear it all the time about guys when they come into the draft. It's always like the, the projectable body type for the reliever is the guy that is about strider size. You know, it's somebody that's going to be 5'11", just looks slight. He, he doesn't have like the same um, – you want somebody that's going to be built like Kyle Muller every time you know you want like the big guy who's going to be just this this horse you know and then here's this tiny little man who's throwing a hundred and it's like just infuriating much larger pitchers that are trying to do the exact same thing but I remember and like I said he he skipped all those levels from uh, went from low a all, all the way up to, to the majors last year and our I think it was June or July last year they fan graphs came out with an article about him talking about what a pitching nerd he is and how really deeply he gets into refining his spin rates and release points and vertical break and all of the different stuff like that and I started thinking like this is a special type of guy because this is somebody that's like really in tune with everything his body's doing everything you read about like his routines his preparation all that different stuff and and I'm all year I'm like look you got to be careful with this guy because not because I think he's going to break or because he's had Tommy John or whatever, but it's like, it's just the, the law of the human limit, you know, like what can you actually do without properly ramping up? You go into the gym, you need to warm up before you start hitting max sets. Right. So, but then again, another thing that article talked about was the way that he used Tommy John to really like notice the inefficiencies in his delivery. And is like, if you've got Tommy John and you don't change anything, you're going to have it again for the exact same reason. So like he's, he's really smart. He really is like, he's really methodical. He's really cerebral, uh, cerebral about the way that he approaches things. And because of that, like, yeah, the wear and tear on his body, he may not be like a 10 year ACE or anything, but I think everything I've seen, and this is knock on wood. I think this is real. This might be composite. I don't know. I'm knocking on all of it, but like, the way the things look now, you would expect his below to dip. And the only real below dip I've seen out of him this year was when he came back in that Mets game after the rain delay. He was touching like 95 by the end of that. And even that is kind of one of those, I mean, because pitching is a workout, you know, it's all based in the legs, right? So you spread that out over two hours, two and a half hours or whatever, you're bound to get tired. So even 
we're discussing a guy where 95 is underwhelming, you know, which is, which is just preposterous. But I've, I've spent all season saying you got to be careful with him. You can't just run him out like that. And now I'm like, he's like Puig. He's like a horse. Just let him run. I hope that's uh, that sentiment stays true for the next, like you said, knock on wood over the next uh, hopefully eight more weeks of baseball that the Braves play. And another, the, the, like you had mentioned earlier, someone else who's, if Strider doesn't win National League Rookie of the Year, then Michael Harris II is going to win it. The center fielder who came straight up from Double A, as you mentioned, I think he's having he's had an even b- bigger impact just because of his glove. With Adam Duvall out, can you imagine this Braves outfield without Adam Duvall, with Ronald Acuna Jr. out there, you know, on a wheelchair? God, because <laughs> I'm like, sit the guy, let him rest, just DH him, and Michael Harris II comes in. It's like in the blink of an eye, he plays three, four months, and then they, then uh, Alex Anthopoulos, the Braves general manager, rewards him with a massive, what is, I think is an eight-year, $72 million contract. And I was like, whoa. <laughs> I was taken aback from that. Yeah. And then secondly, I'm like, if I'm Dansby Swanson, the, the shortstop for the Braves, who's in contract negotiations now for a while, they keep pushing him off. I'm like, hey, what do I have to do? But what do you think about Michael Harris II and, and, and the contract that he was given in four months being in the big leagues full mea culpa i did not think he was ready and and part of it part of it was based on like i said acuna got twice the time in double a that harris got and then wound up playing 60 something games in triple a you know they they really slow walked him granted they were it was a different time you know it was 2018 when when he came up when when acuna had his incredible minor league season that was the 2017 season but there was no reason to call him up you know they they were 72 and 90, you know, and the, you would start to see some of the guys like they called up Ozzy, they called up Lucas Sims and Luis Gahara, you know, and, and so you wanted to see him then, but this year there was like an actual need for it. And so I'm like, get a guy, find you can find a guy. You don't have to start this guy's clock because what's going to happen, what I was afraid of is that it was going to wind up being a situation where it's like he's going to come up, not perform, and all of a sudden people are treating him like he's Christian Pache, and it's like, no, no. No, I was all. I always knew he couldn't hit. I always knew he sucked, or or Drew Waters, or or whatever. It's it's just what people do. And he showed up, and the first couple of games, I went like one and three or whatever, and then they ran off fourteen in a row. So, and there was a scope of hairs his entire time. He was like fifty-seven and twenty-five, which is like still boggles the mind based on how horribly they started or how mediocre they started. And now it's like now they're just throwing all this money at him. And I made this point when Dylan and I were talking on 680 the other day, like people get up in arms about the contract and understandably. So if someone gave me $72 million, I would immediately just be in like, mm, no, I don't think so. But like if someone, because if, you have that Led Zeppelin money coming in, that's why. What, exactly. Uncle Bob set me up. I don't need, I don't need to worry about this. Right. But if this deal can max out at 10 years and 102 million, which is absurd for somebody that's, but that also assumes he keeps this up. That's, that's the thing is that people are looking at this going, oh, well, he's a seven win player. No, he's not. No. He, well, maybe, maybe he is, but we don't know. We've seen him play for half of a season. But let me ask you, let me ask you a question. I got a briefcase right next to me. There are $72 million of cash that I want to give to you right now. I want to hand you this briefcase and let you walk away. You can just have it. Or in five years, maybe I'm going to give you three times that. Or maybe I give you nothing. Do you but, take the seventy-two million? Or do you take right. the two hundred? 
I feel like I'm back in business school. Of course, a dollar today is worth more than a dollar tomorrow, but that's the recipient. Michael Harris is second. Obviously, him and his agent and his family are, are set for life, but it's on the Braves investing that money. And I'm obviously a big Braves fan. I want Harris the second to bring us home championships and have all-star appearances and have a long, healthy career. But I also think of, I think it was the Philadelphia Phillies first baseman, uh, Reese Hoskins, Hosmans, who signed... Who signed? I think like a this is smaller money, and like you said, it was a different time, like a six year, thirty five million dollar contract back in 2017, 2018. and you don't really hear from him because he's very limited. And you're like, well, the Phillies gambled and they lost on that contract, and it, it seventy two million dollars in the grand scheme of things in baseball is not that much money, but it's also I'm all I'm on Team Harris. I'm just like, can we have given them after after he gives us? maybe two, 300 games, 300 games of this, then let's, let's get ahead of the, ahead of the game and, and reward him. I mean, it's a risk for sure. And, and the team is taking just a just as big a risk as Harris is because he could wind up falling off a cliff tomorrow and turning into Christian Pache for the rest of his career. And all of a sudden now you got this $10 million anchor on your payroll every single year, but it's kind of Alex's method, you know, and Alex Anthopoulos's method. He just, he wants to identify the young guys like, if you were to go to Ronald, like he came to Ronald after the 2018 season and said, we want to give you this contract. We want you to stay here based on what you've done, how long you've been here. This is what this is what you are worth, which somehow his agent and everybody else's agent didn't look at comparable deals. Or maybe the money just was really isn't that important to them. Maybe winning is that important. But he did that at the end of the 2018 season or the start of the 2019 season. And then Ronald hit 41 homers and 37 solar bases. How much do you think he would have been worth then, right? So it's it's just like this, you got to find the sweet spot of having a player who's amenable to it and also willing to say, I would rather take the briefcase now instead of maybe getting the bag later. And some of these guys that held out for it, Bryce Harper holding out for it, good for him. Good for him. That's all. I, I know that Bryce Harper is one of the most hated men in Braves country. I love Bryce Harper. I wanted the Braves to sign him so bad. Me too. I, I, wouldn't have, I wouldn't have been against it. And he honestly got a pretty fair deal, or Philadelphia got a pretty fair deal out of that too. But it's that is the risk. And so even when you're looking at a guy like Grissom, and my, my first thought as soon as you see Grissom comes up and he scores 16 runs in 17 games or whatever the number was, it's like sign him to 10 years, $33 million. <laughs> you know, maybe, maybe he'll sign it. Um, you know, you want to lock him in like that, but it's like it's it is a gamble on both sides. And so now that you've got and you see what happens like with Riley. You know, now he's making $21 million a year as opposed to Harris, who's making half that based on the time that they signed him. So it's unquestionably a risk. But as long as as long as long fans keep coming down to the stadium, and we're, I just saw that we're about – we are about to break the attendance record. It's only five years old for, um, for Truist. But as long as fans keep coming down, spending money in the battery, we would have to colossally poop the bed to miss the playoffs this year. So you're looking at at least – even if it's just a wild card, you're looking at at least two playoff games. That – little development that they got down there is pulling in some coin right now. So lock him in while you can. And I just hope he keeps it up because if we do have a seven win player, who's maxing out at $15 million during his option years, I mean, that's a pretty good deal. That's the bargain of the century. Well, almost, but I think Ronald Cunha Jr.'s bargain of the century, but as you're saying, all these, as these youngsters are helping push this team into the playoffs, what are your thoughts on potential matchups or the, the where the team is that they can actually make it back to the world series? I would really like it if we could catch the Mets, and I'm kind of coming to terms with the fact that it's it's looking less and less likely. The Dodgers and the Mets are playing right now. 
Dodgers have to win today. We have to beat Colorado. We can't fall more than three games back between now and the end of the season. You can't do it. And 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 that's just the Mets schedule is so easy. It is so it is a cakewalk. It's if I was the Mets, I would actually be a little scared because this is the type of run that it's easy to take for granted. And all of a sudden, the next thing you know, you wind up going only 15 and 11 during the during the last 27 instead of going like 18 and 9, which could, which can be brutal. And Braves schedule is not too horrible either. But where it gets tricky is, you know, obviously you don't get the buy. But if you're the wild card and you win that round, you're going to go face the Dodgers. As opposed to if you get the second seed, then you face the the three seed who would be St. Louis or, or the six seed who currently is San Diego, if I'm not mistaken. And I am the team that scares me the most, and nobody's talking about this, the team that scares me the most is actually Philadelphia. Because Bryce Harper is back, and they can't pitch, they can't field, but God, they can hit. They're like it's an even more extreme version of the Braves, right? Plus, they're playing in a ballpark that's like this big. You and I could go and take BP there and walk away feeling pretty good about it. But then, so then you get Philadelphia, and then you get the Dodgers, and then you get the Mets. I mean, it's like that's a gauntlet to run. But I, whoever it is, regardless of, what, and I've come to terms with just get just get my guys there. I don't care. This is like the Dodgers can match us for experience, but pretty much no, and and so can the Astros. But basically, nobody else can. Like the the Mets have a great roster. I've fought it all day long. But one thing they don't have is a lot of guys who have deep playoff experience. You know, you got Scherzer. DeGrom was there in 2015 when they went. You know, there, there's there's some guys who – Lindor, you know, when he was with Cleveland. They've, they've got some guys that have been there, but all of our guys have been there. And this, is, this isn't Austin Riley getting left off the 2019 roster. This isn't Max Fried coming out of the bullpen. This is, this is like all of these guys have been there. And they played with Jock Peterson last year. And I think they learned a lot about how to stay calm and like just you wouldn't be here. I don't know if I can swear. I hope I can. You're a badass. Okay. You belong here. You know you belong here. And they've got the bling to prove it. Right. So the, there's, I think there's going to be a really big air of who can keep their heart rate the lowest. And a lot of guys in Philadelphia have, some of them have the experience, but you know, this, they haven't had a, last year was their first winning season since 2011. You know, San Diego, great roster. Same thing. Some guys that have been in the playoffs, but not much. So whoever we face, I'm secure in our ability to beat them on talent, but also in terms of, like, the mental game and not the, letting the lights get too bright. Who who scares you the most? Is it L.A.? Is it the Mets? No, I, I'm actually looking forward to the Braves play. I've been saying on this podcast for all season that I'm looking forward to the Braves and the Dodgers meeting again for – it's almost like a Rocky movie, you know, National League Championship <laughs> Series, uh, the fifth – the fourth installment of the past five years. And I think that's great baseball. They, and I, 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 they're head to head. Obviously you see the, the, the Braves and the Dodgers, they have, they have, they have one win difference between them in the playoffs. So since 2018, it's, if we face the Mets or obviously another bad word, the St. Louis Cardinals, just because of that black devil magic or black card, whatever they call it. I can't. And then uh, the series that they just had, the, this past weekend, it just drove me insane seeing some of those games of the Cardinals. I don't know what they is, but I don't know. I don't know what it is. But when they're playing at home, uh, where they're just playing in the playoffs, they they something happens to them, and it's I'm, they're the most they're the ones I'm most concerned because I still think that the Braves are better than the Cardinals. It's just that the Braves can more easily stub their toe against a team like the Cardinals versus the Dodgers because the Dodgers you're looking at each other like some you know UFC fight. You're looking at them eye to eye. It's like look, we're gonna go, we're going full, full distance. Mm. the 
the Dodgers would be scarier if we hadn't beat them last year. I mean, they, they're still, even with losing last night, the uh, they're it's not out of the realm of possibility for them to have the best regular season of all time. Like the 2001 Mariners won 116, and the Dodgers still have that in their sights. Once again, I would like for them to beat the Mets today to help add to that total. But any way you cut it, I mean, just we saw it last year, man. Once you get in the playoffs, just the weirdest stuff can happen. And we, we because I'm on the team, the Braves got really, really lucky in some cases last year. You got to be really good, but without luck, you're never going to have that. And that's why things were so tricky for so long is that the some of the teams that were making the playoffs were good. They may not have been good enough to make it like all the way to the World Series, but they were good enough to win a series. But like Brooks Conrad or the outfield fly or in 2013, they in drawing the Dodgers in the in the NLDS and getting just and leaving tor- Craig Kimbrell in. That was, was that the year that they, they let that uh Freddie Gonzalez left left him left Craig Crimble and Craig Crimble in Kimbrel in the bullpen. Yeah, <laughs> that's a tricky one. Yeah. Now, but yeah, I mean, I remember I was I was in Dallas. I had been in the car all day. Me and my coworker drove to Dallas, Texas, and we're sitting at a bar watching this game. And as soon as I I just was like I turned to him, I'm like, it's time for me to go to bed. This is a very bad, very bad end to a very long day. And just like, man, that image, you can still see him just, you know, with arms crossed, standing out in the bullpen. But like any team, if you make it like, look, Padres are easy to dunk on right now because they got Soto, Drury and Hayter and somehow got worse. And they and Josh Bell and Josh Bell. And they and they somehow are like just treading water like they're this close to losing their spot to Milwaukee, who that's another team. I didn't realize how many home runs. Milwaukee is hitting, not to mention they've still got Corbin Burns. They still got Freddie Peralta. And if Devin Williams didn't get hurt last year, I don't think we would have won that series. I don't think we would have even made it past the NLDS. Once again, you got to get kind of lucky, which Devin Williams pulling a Waskar Noah and breaking his hand because he got frustrated. That's stupid for him. That's lucky for us. So Padres, even with the the disaster that they kind of are right now, they scare me just as much as anybody because of you just look up and down the lineup. They don't have Tatis, but I don't really even think Tatis is that great when he is healthy. So I've, it may might have been a, kind of a boon for them to not have to play with them right now. And Cardinals, yeah, saw it this past weekend. We The difference between teams like us and the Cardinals is not as big as I would like it to be. be having clear-cut MVP favorite and Goldie, having a a year-over-year superstar in Arenado, even as he gets gets deeper into his 30s, and role players like Tommy Edmond. I hate Tommy Edmond because he is the St. Louis Cardinals in one person. It was like if you could turn them into one team and one team into one person, it's Tommy Edmond. So, but then again, we have Max Fried. We have Spencer Strider and Kyle Wright, and, and that doesn't even get into the lineup. So nobody wants to play us. I'll tell you that. There are some teams I don't want to play, but I guarantee you everybody's like, please, please do not make us play the Braves in the playoff. Don't make us go to Truist. Those fans are insane. I absolutely agree with you. One last thing I wanted to say about potentially facing the Dodgers is, from a personal point of view, I do want the Braves to face the Dodgers in the National League Championship Series, so I have an excuse to go out and double C family see friends and also see the the see a, a game or two out there that's one of the things i regret of not going to a playoff game because i don't know if you had a chance to make it to any of the games in the playoffs last year but i was just shocked at how the prices rose in the secondary market from you know going to see like the, the brewers the national league division series i think it was maybe like in a 60 or 80 dollars even to see the national league championship series against the dodgers 
think it was like $150. The World Series just zooms up to $1,000. I'm like, wow. I was like, yeah, I, I was excited. I'm like, you know what? I'll shell out some money to go. And I was like, $1,000 to, to sit in the nosebleed section. That's what I was disappointed about. So I'm like, this year I've learned my lesson. I want to, I want to try to go to uh, an early round. God willing, it's a long run. Did you manage it's, to go out to any games? I went to one. I, I have been uh, over the past four years. Well, 2020 notwithstanding, because I, I didn't go out to Arlington. But I, I've gone to one playoff game a year for the past couple of years, and I'm 3-0. and And so I was there for the 2018 Acuna Grand Slam game. I was there for in 2018. I was there for the Adam Duvall home run and the Fulte game against uh, game two of the NLDS not that other game that happened at Truist in uh, 2019, the 10-run the first inning. And then last year, I was there at uh, Game 6 when we clinched against L.A. And Matzik struck out Mookie. And it was like standing behind an airplane as it was taking off. It was, it was the loudest freaking thing. Oh, my God. It was like – and we – I remember my, my friend Mark Gent runs a, a company called Simply a Fan, which is basically like – it's like an event – gather, or it's like a gathering – I don't want to put this. It's like a baseball experience company where it's like he lives in Nashville and it's like he'll get a group of 60 people to, to take a bunch of sprinter vans into Atlanta and he'll get, get like a suite. Like for the Dodger series when Freddie came back, he, he got a big suite for that. He reached out to me and he's like, I have some extra tickets for this if you want. And I'll, you know, I'm like, I don't know, man. I don't, I don't think I could handle being in the building if we lost to tie it up at 3-3 because then you know this is Atlanta, you know what's going to happen, right? Like, I can't do that. And he's like, yeah, but what about if you win? Am I that scarred that I never even considered that part? <laughs> like, I get to watch the team go to a World Series. And so we we paid, uh, even even with Mark giving me a slight friends and family discount on the tickets he got, it was like, man, we paid out the nose. And uh, my wife was such a trooper, man. She when we first started dating, she knew Chipper Jones and that was it. She's from Ohio. She's from Columbus. She was Ohio State football growing up and, and didn't not close enough to Cincinnati or Cleveland. So she didn't really care about baseball. And now she could tell you like six reasons why uh, why you should keep Area, uh, Area Adrianza over Orlando Arcio when, when the, you know, all the. So she was she was there every step of the way, man. And she was she was gung. She was more gung ho about going than I was. She's like, I'm. She's been to more games this year than I have. It was the last time I went down there. But, yeah, tickets escalate quickly. I talked to my dad after the game. I'm like, well, I'm going to see if I can find his World Series tickets. I'll talk to Mark. And same thing as you, where it's like any price with a comma in it, I'm good. I'm good. Yeah, it's disappointing. But like I said, I'll, I'll try to I'll try to do it an, or an earlier round than the World Series. And yeah. just watch the, watch the World Series knock on wood with the Braves in it from the comfort of my own couch. And, obviously, the Braves – Country has always been big, especially because they said TBS generation. They won a lot in the 90s. And now they're winning a lot uh, now over the past four years, ever since Ronald Acuna Jr. joined the team. And uh, Freddie Gonzalez is no longer there, et cetera. Many things. <laughs> and so you get more famous. You get more followers. What about you? And that, obviously, you like you said, you're the renaissance man of Braves country. You're a podcaster, writer, musician. Who is, for just for fun, like who is a follower that you're most proud of having? You're like, wow, I can't believe this person actually follows me on social media. You know, man, I, there's like, there's no reason for like David Adler from StatCast. There's no reason for him to follow me. I don't know how he found me. I have no idea, but he does. And, uh, and Dan Simborski, we had Dan Simborski on uh, from Fangraphs once upon a time. And anytime you see the blue check mark that follows you, it's like, that's super cool. 
Dan in particular was awesome because we were doing an extra innings and he was the hardest I've ever laughed at a response. I asked him what his bat signal was. And he was just like, you're making this, this really deep assumption that Batman is like outside. He's just waiting for you to, you know, it's like, what, what if Batman's daughter has like a ballet recital and he's indoors and he can't get away from him? Just text Batman. You never send him the bat signal. It was obviously much more eloquent than that. But like, I was just like giggling like a schoolgirl with that. But uh, honestly, this is kind of a cheesy answer, but like the guys from chatting average, as weird as that sounds, because I remember it started out when it was like, I remember when Austin Riley's race was Josh Donaldson's hair. That was his first parody account. And uh, and he had like a hundred followers. And, and Cam, when he was, you know, the hundred, same thing, hundred followers. And now we kind of joked about this with them with the second to last episode of TPS we did. We had them on for the platinum average Yuletide extravaganza. And that was, it wasn't like a torch passing event or anything, but it was like, they were always the one, because there were a ton of podcasts that came out all at the same time. And mo- for the most part, they were, very similar to each other and they didn't last very long but they chatting average stuck with it and they kind of took the took the mantle of what we were doing and improved upon it and they you look at their follower counts now and these guys are huge like they are the renaissance men of of brave twitter now so i'm just honestly i'm super happy for them because they're great guys and uh and it makes me feel really happy to see my friends start to succeed and like turn into something because that's what it's really all about well, I think part of it, you have you have part of that magic because you sprayed a little bit of that Edgar Allan potpourri over them, another sponsor for <laughs> TPS, and you brought that magic to other friends of Braves Country Podcast. That's right. That, that was That's a great, right. that was a great uh, commercial as well. Oh, thanks. Yeah, that that was the that was the first that was the first one I ever sent to him, ever sent to Dylan. The, you had said earlier about another commercial, another commercial sponsorship that you had when you were at dinner with your your wife and your mother in law. Where we always like to to broadcast and share local places here because I I always drink a beer when I'm when I when I record the podcast and I always give a shout out to the brewery that I buy it from whether you know most mostly up and down the the East Coast but what about you like where is a place that you like to go it doesn't have to be a brewery it could be a coffee shop uh, your local breakfast diner what uh, <laughs> what's a what's a place that you're like this this is a, a comfy place that I'm always feeling I, I always feel great about uh, going so. We live, we live out in Cumming. I always tell people that we live in Forsyth because we live in Cumming uh, and people just tend to laugh. And, and so it's, it reminds me a lot of Snellville, like pre Olympics, we moved to Snellville in like 92 and, uh, and it was not super developed. And if you go there now, there's every available green space is now covered with concrete and somebody trying to sell you something. But out here reminds me of that too. And so it's like, if you go to the store, it's like a meaningful thing. So we don't have anything like, super close there's a, a church right around the corner that just opened a, a coffee shop that my wife swears that the place is called higher grounds if it's not called that i then they missed a golden opportunity i i want to go go in there there's a place right around the corner called catch 22 it's like a, just a little not like a dive bar meets restaurant kind of and uh it's best place you can go and get a beer and get a halfway decent meal sometimes i got live music going on and some of our really good friends live right around the corner, so we'll we'll go and meet up with them for dinner sometimes. Uh, on behalf of Braves Country, I'm going to say that I think that on the game days of of Braves baseball, you need to go to higher grounds and bring in a little <laughs> bit of that, a bit of, a little bit of the Lord to help them. Because, and I'm going to, by the way, I'm going to put, I'm going to send a petition to Congress that the Atlanta Braves do not play any playoff games on Sunday because on Sundays the Atlanta Braves lose every single time. I, 
it drives me insane. I'm like, I'm not even going to bother following the game on Sunday because I know they're going to lose. It drives me crazy. You remember, was it two years ago that, yeah, in 2020, when I was still writing for Talking Chop, the, uh, that was the year that had cursed Mondays. That, and, I, and I know that because I got assigned game coverage on Mondays. It was Fultonavich getting his brains beat in by Tampa and getting DFA'd immediately. It was Soroka's injury. It was Tukey losing 14 to 1 uh, to the Orioles. God, how? And it was like every single Monday. But silver lining to that, when we got to the playoffs, the last game I ever covered for them was Bryce Wilson against Clayton Kershaw in game four of the NLCS. So happy ending there. Probably going to be the same thing here. It's going to be the Braves will clinch the National League on a Sunday. That's that, my that would that would be great irony. That would be beautiful irony. It'll be a Sunday afternoon too. We're gonna get all of the things we can't overcome this year, and we will we will advance on a Sunday afternoon because we can't win in day games either. Absolutely. Got from your lips to uh, the good Lord who invented higher roast or whatever that coffee shop is called down the street <laughs> in the in in at at the local church. Doc, I really want to say, again, I really appreciate you coming on. I've totally enjoyed speaking with you. And again, it's a great, it's a thrill for me to be able to have extended this extended conversation with you. Uh, because again, this is the Renaissance man of Braves country along again, th- th- we had those guys over at Nakahome are also very funny, but like you, you just embodied like everything, musician, podcaster, writer, and just lover of baseball, lover of animals and, and human beings as well. Because again, he's the best guy you, you know, on in the, in all of podcast world. Thanks again, Doc. And if you want to lead us away, then again, tell people who you are and where they can potentially find you on social media. Sure. Um, well, first thing, just I had a blast, man. This is this this is a great setup you got here. You got the you got a great podcasting flow. You got the great voice for it and everything. So best of luck to you. I really appreciate it. Thanks for thanks for having me on, man. We don't don't I was in the process of dusting off the show and then I realized like, oh yeah, the reason we stopped is because there is no time. Thank you. Thank you for having me on to talk baseball. Any Anytime you ever want to chat, whether you want to press record or not, always happy to do it. Uh, for anybody that doesn't know where to find me on Twitter, I am actually at Twins Doc Herbert right now. I got super frustrated after the Braves blew a lead on May the 31st, completely rebranded as a Twins fan. My brother lives in Minneapolis. That's not, uh, that's not just out of nowhere. And then the Braves won 14 straight and have been like 57 and 25 since that happened. So I'm not changing it back till at least the offseason, maybe never again. So, yeah, at Twins Doc Herbert, I took Twitter off of my phone because it is the worst place in the world. So if you need me, you can find me on Instagram. Probably it's Adam Ryan Herbert. I want to thank Doc Herbert for joining me. It was awesome talking with a Braves podcast legend. I also want to thank new listeners from Sao Paulo, Brazil. Arapiraza, Brazil, Quito, Ecuador, Presidencia Roque Sáenz, Peña, Argentina, Argentina, Ciudad Juárez, Mexico, Mexico. What's up with all these new Latin American listeners? It's very awesome. And another new international listener from Abakan, Russia. I don't speak Russian. I have no idea how to pronounce that. But nevertheless, thank you. Spasiba. Subscribe on Apple, Google, SoundCloud, or Spotify. Picture of my drink will be on Instagram and Twitter. Let's get together next week for a brand new episode of HBP, Hipster Baseball Podcast. Bye.